just a big welcome to you. We have an info center that's, that has all the information that you'll need um, to find out about plugging into Harvest Church. And just in case this is your first time here at Harvest and you want to find out more about us, we actually have a four-week class uh, starting today. It's called Harvest Growth Track, and that's up in the Parsonage. So if you feel like, I want to find out more about Harvest today, you can go jet up there right now. Christy's about ready to start. Um, that's that's, a, that's today. Um, a few other things. we got M6 Gathering tomorrow. That's men gathering at uh, Thousand Hills Ranch out in... Uh, I don't know where it's at. I actually haven't been yet. So Thousand Hills Ranch, we have the, the men's gathering. There's a free dinner, worship, and then testimonies, and you're asked to bring a friend. So uh, if you've never been, maybe grab a friend, go out to the M6 gathering. There's no RSVP needed. Just show up. And then lastly, I got one more announcement. And that's the Kings, uh, the kids' spring. God, I keep saying Kings. I don't know why. I'm sorry. The kids' spring choir. And this is the last week to sign up. So if you have a child from second grade and up, and if they're interested in joining the choir performance at the end of May, uh, email Leslie uh, or head for the info center for more information on that. And the rehearsals will be on Sundays from 1020 to 1050. So uh, we got those things going on. And uh, yeah, good to see you guys all here. And I'll let Tim take it over from here. Good morning. Uh, please stand. We're going to worship together this morning. I'll just open us in a quick word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to have a building to worship in, to have a sound system that works, and, and all this stuff, God, that just, just it just helps us facilitate, Lord. And I just thank you for, um, for being our God this morning, first and foremost. I just ask you to meet each and every one of us here in a new way this morning. We just want to get out of the way and, and just become aware of you, God. It's just, just make it less about us and more about you this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name.
to the dark. 
sing and declare how much we love you, Lord, with all of our hearts and minds and soul and strength. Every part of us, Lord, we love you. And we know that love is reciprocated. In fact, we know that we love you because you first loved us. You started this whole thing, Lord, and uh, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord. God, I pray that you would touch every person in this room and on this campus, whoever's watching online, I pray that every person would be touched with the reality of your great love. And that that would trigger a response in every person. Uh, this kind of response that we're, we've been singing this morning, God, that we, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Refresh us in that love, Lord. 
both ways. God, refresh our love for you and refresh, God, our understanding of your love for us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It's good just to praise and sing and to pray and to just be in your presence, Lord. God, we bless you. God, as we open up your word this morning and as we avail ourselves to your truth, I just, I know, God, that you're going to download something of power to us. God, I believe that uh, it's just good stuff in store for us today. Uh, that's true every time we open up your word and avail ourselves to your truth, Lord, that you've just got life transformational power, change for us and challenge for us. And so I pray that we'd just be anxious and hungry for it, Lord, like uh like we're anxious and hungry for a good meal when we're really hungry, Lord, that we would just be anxious and hungry for our time with you today. And then, God, that you would fill us to overflowing with abundance so that we leave this place filled up with you and, and we can spill it out on everybody else, Lord, with love and grace and truth and hope, kindness. Thank you, Lord. We need you. We love you, Lord. Bless us now, we pray. Continue to bless us, I should say, Lord. Continue to bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. Uh, it's just good to, man, it's good just to be in the presence of the Lord. I, since I was a young guy, I've just always appreciated um, worship and the time just that, that is set apart just to sing to the King and to uh give our hearts fully to him. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning. Thankful for um, Easter last week. So many people came out and spent days setting everything up. Uh, Mike Apodaca was out there with his tractor grading everything in our back area and uh, dozens of people helping to set things up beginning like on Thursday and through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it was just really really powerful. And then the cleanup, you know, happened in a couple hours, thanks to so many people who just, who, who stuck around and, and, and helped us out with that. It was just really, really good. Um, after Easter, we had this crazy idea that we'd go backpacking. <laughs> so we, uh, my son and I, so the youth were planning this backpacking trip and they were planning to leave Tuesday to go back off of Figaro Mountain, off of 154, and it's about a 6.8-mile hike. And so uh, Jeremy, our youth and family pastor, said, hey, why don't you guys leave a day early and make sure that there's actually camping spots available for another 25 people or so coming back. So, so Curtis and I got up um, after the long Easter weekend, and we left about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and we began to hike and just had a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, as I was hiking, I thought there's so many parallels, so many parallels to the Christian life, the Christian walk, and this hike that we're on, this backpacking trip that we're on. In fact, when we finally made it there, um, we, we, didn't, we didn't share this thought with each other until we actually got to uh, the, uh, the, the destination. Uh, but we both said to each other, Curtis said, Hey dad, if you weren't with me, I probably wouldn't have made it all the way. I probably would have stopped and camped along the way because there were, it was just a lot of uphill and that sort of thing. I, I said, Curtis, that's exactly what I was thinking. If you weren't here, I would have stopped like a mile back and just said, that's enough. But we both realized we would have totally missed the amazing destination that we experienced if we would have given up. 
And so much like the Christian walk, the Christian life, if we don't have people spurring us on, holding us accountable and challenging us to continue, we're going to settle for something far less than what God has for us. And uh, so I was super grateful that Curtis was there. And then um, we got there and there was plenty of spots. And so we called back to Jeremy and said, hey, come on out, man. There's lots and lots of room. And so he came out and uh, they, all 25 of them, it was really, really powerful. The the day that they were supposed to come out, um, it was getting about four o'clock and they had been on the trail for a while. So I was kind of getting anxious for them to be out there and I wanted to see them. And so I just started down the trail and um, I got about a mile back uh, from the, the main campsite there, and there they were. They were all settled there and kind of taking a, a break before they made the final descent, and uh, it was really, really good. But one guy had pulled a muscle in his leg, and he was really struggling to carry his backpack. And so uh, we got a chance to help him carry his backpack the last mile. And I thought, isn't that just like the Christian life? Sometimes we get injured or we're discouraged. We, we don't know how we're going to press on. We don't know how we're going to finish and get to the destination. But others come along, come around us, and help us to carry the burdens that we have to get us moving and, and to our destination. I tell you what, it was the best, most beautiful destination. Um, there were two waterfalls. I should have brought a picture, a video or something, but there were two waterfalls coming down and, and flowing into this big, uh, like eight foot deep pool of water that you could swim in and, and uh, refresh yourself in. It was so amazing, so much better than the campsite that was a mile earlier or even the ones that were just along the way. We, we would have totally missed out. And I think that's kind of God's message to us is that we will totally miss out on God's best if we give up. And and maybe you're here today and you're kind of wondering whether you want to press on in your faith as as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got this big backpack on and you're just kind of feeling weary and uh, just kind of feeling worn out. I just want to encourage you that God is with you and he will help you get there. He will help you get there. But maybe you got this pack on and and there's, there's an art to packing a backpack, right? Like you don't want to pack too much. There are things that you need, like you need a tent, a, a sleeping bag, a sleeping pad, you need, you know, cookware and food and that sort of thing. But there are certain things that you don't need to carry in, like big, heavy stuff that just kind of wear you out. So you got to be careful not to have too much on your pack. Otherwise, it's cumbersome and it's difficult to keep going forward. So some of us in our lives were carrying all of this extra unnecessary weight, so this baggage, this burden, burdensome stuff that the Lord just wants to lift off off of us. It's, it's really a a picture of God's, you know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. So there's a yoke, but he said, my burden is light. So he wants to lift it off of you. So if you're carrying around uh, just old baggage from past mistakes and failures, sins, whatever it is, just confess that to the Lord. Uh, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what he'll do is he'll lift that that bag, uh, that burden off of our bag, and then we'll be able to kind of march on through. I remember when uh, I got to the campsite and took off the backpack, it was just like, oh man, you feel like you're walking on air because all of that weight is off of you. I think that's kind of the experience that God wants us to have, like something of a lighter load in our lives. Um, so confess whatever you need before the Lord today and just watch his grace and mercy wash over you and watch your, your, lo- your load kind of lighten up. It was just a powerful deal. But as kind of back as long as we were walking, and I'll just kind of share the story for a little bit. And can we start the clock? Thank you. 
because now I'm not, I'm not going to know how much time I have, and it doesn't really matter because I'm just going to go until I'm finished anyway, but uh, now I go, there we go. <laughs> but it's helpful to know that I'm over, right? So it's just helpful to know. So um, uh, as, as we were hiking, there was a lot of incline, and uh, um, my son would tell me, he kept, he kept telling me, hey, Dad, look up. Because I'm, you know, I'm just going, you know, it's just trying to get the job done. And he would tell me, look up, Dad, look at, look at what we're hiking in. And, and he would just remind me of all of the beauty, the wonder of what God had created and is sustaining even now. And it was just like this refreshing experience. We're going to be talking about abiding with God today. We're actually going to be answering the question, what does godliness look like? What does godliness look like? And I, I, I couldn't help but make a lot of uh, para, uh, a lot of uh, comparisons to that backpacking trip because I was reminded of so many wonderful things as I just chose to look up and abide with God and appreciate his presence and appreciate his beauty. I think sometimes we can just get busy, right? We got our heads down, we got stuff to do, and we don't look up and just say, thank you, Lord, for life and for breath and for family and for whatever it is that you want to thank the Lord for. We can get burdened down by maybe illness or disability or whatever it is. And we don't, if we don't look up, we're just kind of stuck with our heads down. And and like my son told me, I'm telling you, look up, (laughs) look up. God's doing some really, really amazing things if we'll just stop and pay attention. So what does godliness look like? We're going to kind of unpack that today. Um, We're going to kind of discover that today because I think God wants us to experience something of newness in our walk with him, our relationship with him. He wants to breathe life into us in such a powerful way that we walk out of this place with new perspective. I remember just sitting around the campfire when we were there just before the kids got there and even after the kids got there, just sitting around the campfire, just being so filled with gratitude for what the Lord has done. I mean, I just, I looked around at his creation and then that caused me to ponder about my, my own life and my family and the, the way that God has just blessed our church and taken care of us. And I, I just was filled with this refreshing gratitude. It was so important and so necessary for, uh, for my life as I just sat there and just thought about the Lord. There's something about abiding with him and allowing him to, buy, to abide in us. Uh, that is just life-giving and powerful. And we get busy and distracted, and we miss out on those things. Let's take a look at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll get to that answer. What does godliness look like? With that, let's say as you guys turn to 1 Timothy 4, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, we just pray, and we thank you for your presence here. God, as we were able to sing that last song and just talk about how much we love you with all of our uh, hearts and minds and soul and strength. Lord God, I, uh, I know you're blessed by that, Lord, and I just want to declare that to, as a church, we love you, Lord, and we want you to have your way with us today. We want you to speak to us where we need you to speak to us, to challenge us where, you need, where we need to be challenged, Lord God, that we would be um, encouraged today and put back on the right path. Maybe it's been a tough journey. Some of us are feeling the burden, the weight of it all, Lord. I just pray that you would bless us as we trust you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. First Timothy 4.1, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, in the last days, 
Some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There's a temptation as the return of Christ draws near, and this has been going on for the last couple thousand years since his ascension. There's this, there's this temptation to walk away from it, to walk away from the Lord and to pursue other things. But God has got us on this path and he doesn't want us to give up, although there's challenges and difficulties along the way. Coming back out of the uh, uh, hike, um, while going into the hike, I, I'd been wearing these boots and they weren't, I guess they weren't broken in very well. So I was getting these hot spots and these blisters. And so I decided just to put on my sandals, these, these, you know, strapped on sandals and I hiked the rest of the way. And then I was hiking out and I realized I'm getting gnarly blisters on my feet as I'm hiking out with, with these sandals. I would have wore socks with the sandals, but then I would have looked like an old guy. So I, I didn't want to look like an old guy, although I do typically wear socks with sandals, but, uh, I decided I would just just go for it. I thought, what choice do I have? Like, I got to get out of here. Like, I'm five miles from the trailhead. I got to just keep going. I can't stop and wait here for three days until my blisters heal up, right? Because then I'm going to walk another mile and get some more blisters. I got to stop again. I think the challenge for us is that we've got to just continue to move forward to our destination, although we do deal with troubling things, temptation and sickness and all kinds of challenges in our life. But what I noticed is that God gave me the grace just to continue to walk out. And I literally have silver dollar sized uh, blisters in between my toes. But I was like, I know they're there, but I'm not going to look at them. <laughs> I'm just going to keep marching forward because I don't have a choice, right? I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stand out there until, until they get cleared up. So what I notice is that God gave me the grace, and then I get home, I get to my destination, and my wife makes this hot water with Epsom salt, you know, Epsom salt, I don't know what it's called, but you put your feet in there, and it just creates this nice, soothing experience. I wouldn't have had that soothing experience if I would have quit on the trail, right? God's got such blessing for us if we just don't give up, if we refuse to give up but continue to march forward. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that, that in the last times, as the time of Christ's re return draws near, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Listen, there's only one true faith that leads to heaven. There are many faiths in the world, many counterfeit faith, but only one faith leads to the God who created and sustains the universe. There's one God that offers salvation by grace through faith. And some are tempted to turn away. Some will turn away from faith in Jesus alone, and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. So anything that is contrary to the Scripture and what the Scripture says about Jesus and who He is and what the Scripture says about God and who He is is, is a contrary gospel. It's a counterfeit gospel um, perpetuated by demons, by the fallen angels, the, the enemies of God. There is one God that offers salvation through grace, by grace, through faith. And the Holy Spirit has revealed this truth that in the, as time wears on, and this has been going on for the last couple thousand years, people will be tempted to walk away from the faith. Mark 13, 22 says, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out. 
I have warned you about this ahead of time. So there's a warning for the church, for the believers of Christ that says, hey, be careful not to get distracted or to be hindered from your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, 29, Luke wrote, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order, in order to draw a following. What kind of people would do this? Like what kind of people would intentionally draw others away from the truth? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4.2, these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. So these people are not who they claim to be. They are deceivers like their father, the devil himself, who is the father of lies. And they, they are without a functioning conscience. So their conscience is seared. They're dead. They're liars and deceivers. So these are the people, these are the entities that are trying to draw us away from our faith. And so don't, don't be surprised when you feel like giving up. It's, it's an age-old ploy of the enemy to get us distracted and hindered getting us to refuse to believe the truth of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our lives. These people are not who they claim to be. They are deceivers without a functioning conscience. They will do what counterfeit religious leaders have always done. Counterfeit religious leaders have always heaped heavy burdens and restrictions and expectations on their followers. That's what we see throughout, throughout history and, and in the scripture of religious leaders. This is what verse 3 says. They will say it is wrong, these, these religious leaders, they will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. The Bible Knowledge Commentary states, the false teachers plaguing the Ephesian church were the forerunners of the Gnostics of the second century. The Gnostics believed that spirit is good, and matter is evil. So anything that has got matter to it is evil, but spirit is good. So they believed all appetites relating to the body are therefore evil and should be rooted out, including normal desire for sex and food. And so they're saying, don't get married. Don't eat certain foods. It's all of these heavy-duty restrictions that these religious leaders want to heap on us trying to uh, get us to conform to their, their plan and purpose. So it's wrong to be married. Wrong to, what does God say about that? This is, this is what needs to be our response to anything that we hear that is sideways or seems different than the, than the word of the Lord. What does God think? Genesis 2.18 in the New Living Translation, it says, Then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And so God has created marriage to be a blessing to humanity. Now, there are single people in the world who are called to it or just in their circumstances. They're single right now, and God's blessing is upon them. But God has created marriage as a good thing for the world. The early de deceivers also said that it's wrong to eat certain foods. What a bummer. I got a quick, quick joke. So this Catholic nun in this Catholic school was in the cafeteria with all of the Catholic kids. And uh, there was this big bowl of apples in the line of the food. And so the Catholic nuns wrote a little note, said, only take one apple, God is watching. 
So, but at the other end of the line in the cafeteria was a big old platter of chocolate chip cookies. And so one of the students said, take all you want because God is watching the apples. (laughs) Now, I would prefer a chocolate chip cookie over an apple any day. In fact, the only reason I eat healthy food like apples is so that I can have a chocolate chip cookie and enjoy the food that God has called, called us to enjoy. But the early deceivers would say it's wrong to eat certain foods. What does God say, though? What does God think about that? In Acts chapter 10, the apostle Peter fell into a trance and had a vision from the Lord. Acts 10, 11 through 16 says this. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And what does Peter say? No, (laughs) no, Lord, was his response. Listen, it's never a good idea to say no, Lord. It's a contradictory term. Like it's an oxymoron. You can't have Jesus as Lord and leader and king of your life and say no to him. Because by saying no to him, it, it declares that he's no longer your king and Lord and leader. And so for Peter to say, no, Lord, he was showing a bit of his old nature. Have you ever had that creep up in your life where your old nature pops up? And you're like, no, Lord. <laughs> like I was arguing with the Lord the other day about meeting with some guy for prayer. I was like, Lord, I don't have time. I don't want to meet with this guy, although I felt like I was supposed to meet with the guy. As soon as I'm having this argument with the Lord, I get a text from the guy that I'm supposed to pray with. Hey, are we still praying together? I'm like, of course we're still praying together. Get over here. So, But we have this tendency to resist the good stuff that the Lord wants to do in our lives. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Verse 4 says, since everything God created is good, this is back to 1 Timothy 4, since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by by the word of God and prayer. Made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. So now we have to think, okay, God has created all of these wonderful things in the world, and they're all good. Can we just indulge in anything and everything that God has created? And so we think about this, you know, this, um, we have this idea when it comes to food and when it comes to this new legalized thing called marijuana. And we think, well, if it's legal, then it must be okay. But it's clear that we're not to take anything that alters our mind. Uh, The scripture is very clear about this. So these are the guidelines for how we're to enjoy what God has created. We follow the word of God and we enjoy what God has provided for us with prayer and thanksgiving. So can I have anything I desire without measure? Well, let's look at a couple of verses here. Ezekiel 16, 49 says, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness while the poor and needy suffered outside the door. So we know that we're allowed to enjoy everything that God has given to us in the area of food as long as we're not doing it in excess, gluttony. So we have to exercise some self-control. 
So I, I stand up here and I'm, my gut is constantly sucked in because if I don't suck it in, then it shows my paunch, right? But my paunch is there because I refuse to exercise self-control regarding sweets in my life. And so yesterday, my wife said, hey, would you like a cinnamon roll? And I said, no, I'm not going to eat the cinnamon roll because I just had a snack. I'm not having another snack. So an hour later, she's outside in the garden, and I decide it's time for another snack. So I had a cinnamon roll that she made for my birthday because my birthday was just last week, and she made these amazing homemade cinnamon rolls with all of this icing on top. And then my daughter had, had bought me some of this, these donuts that I enjoyed as well. And then Jolene also had made this apple pie that was just calling me. So I had donuts, and I had apple pie, and I had cinnamon roll, and there was no, no wonder why I wasn't hungry for dinner, but I found a way to get dinner in me as well. It was just this incredible experience. And so that's called the sin of gluttony, and uh, I did lose 10 pounds, but I need to lose about 10 more. I, 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 I think if I lost 10 more, I'd get rid of that gut. I wouldn't have to suck it in everywhere. It's uncomfortable to have to suck in your stomach everywhere. But that's what I got to do because I'm gluttonous. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I've realized that when I'm like self-control in one area of my life, that tends to spill over into other areas of my life. And so we have to be careful that we're exercising self-control in all areas of our life. Now, I know some of you are like, shut up, Henry, about your gut, right? You're like, I can barely see it. Listen, if I took my shirt off, you'd really see it, right? <laughs> took it off bare-chested, it'd be like, whoop. All of a sudden, there it is, right? I've never had a gut, so now that I got one, I'm like, I, I'm trying to, trying to hide it. That's why I wore these flowery shirts. They kind of, never mind, whatever. What else does the Bible say about our appetite? Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a word in verse 20 that mentioned, that's mentioned. It's the word is sorcery. That word is also witchcraft. The Greek word there is pharmakai, uh, pharmakia, depending on how you pronounce it, and it means witchcraft. I think what happens is, is when we uh, avail ourselves to the, the uh, unhealthy use of drugs in our life, whether we're smoking dope. Listen, when I was a kid, smoking dope was my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Why? Because it's a great escape, right? I, I would smoke, I would get high, I would go to sleep, and I would be out for a few hours. It was great. But then I realized that God has called us to live a life that we're not meant to escape from. And when I realized that over the course of my life, I realized I don't need to run toward pharmacia. I don't need to run toward drugs. I can run to Jesus and find the stuff that I need. Often we're running to the wrong stuff, whether it be food or drugs, and especially with legalized marijuana now. I just got back from Colorado about a month or so ago, and there's, there's dispensaries all over. <laughs> like you can walk in anywhere and get marijuana. It's just a gnarly thing. It will wreck your life. 
I'm just going to tell you it will wreck your life. And just because it's legal in California doesn't mean uh, that you should be taking it. Anything that is going to alter your mind, whether it be drunkenness or any really any kind of addiction. Some are addicted to sex or pornography. Some are addicted to wine, alcohol. Some are addicted to drugs. I know a guy who was addicted to drugs, painkillers, for years. And I've known this guy for years, and I, I, I'm on the phone with him one day, and I'm like, dude, are you loaded? Seriously, you sound like you're loaded. And I didn't know that he was loaded, but he was loaded, right? And it was a wake-up call to him, and he realized that he was hooked, and he needed to get clean from his drugs. And so he's been clean for about the last year, 18 months or so. And you know what's improved in his life? Everything. Right? His, his financial problems got cleared up. Why? Because he stopped spending so much money on drugs because it's black market drugs that he had to get because he couldn't get his doctor to prescribe anymore. His marriage got fixed. His family got fixed because he wasn't jacked up on drugs anymore. His spiritual life got squared away because he wasn't jacked up on drugs anymore. Listen, drugs, addictions, all of these things will jack you up. He didn't even realize how jacked up he was until he got off the drugs. When he got off the drugs and he realized, man, my, this is the, the life, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life abundantly. This is the, you can't enjoy that if you've got an addiction in your life. You just can't. You've got to get all of the addictions out of your life and trust Jesus in every arena of your life. Addiction is just an escape, right? It's just a way to get some, some help, um, kind of a counterfeit help and escape when we're in trouble. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be free in Jesus' name. And he doesn't just want you to be free. He makes the way to freedom possible because he's good and he's faithful. Somebody told me this morning, I've turned the 12-step program into a two-step program. She said, I decided to quit drinking, and then I quit drinking. <laughs> I said, what a great story. You know, we, we run to the wrong stuff. This is the wine capital of like, the. I mean, there's wine everywhere, right? So we have this temptation to run to all this alcohol and that sort of thing. And listen, I'll say wine in the scripture tends to be uh, spoken of in a positive light. It's a blessing, but drunkenness is never spoken of in a, pos in a positive light. It's, Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're drinking to excess, getting yourself drunk, you just need to stop. If you're running to pornography, trying to find fulfillment there, by God's grace, you just need to stop. If you're running to drugs, trying to find something to numb your life, God, God hasn't called us to live a life that we're trying to numb. He's, he's called us to live a life that we're trying to enjoy by his grace. We can do that. So run from all of those things that are deceptive and destroying your life. Drugs that alter our mind or alcohol that alters our minds is not for God's people. So there's some parameters for the stuff that God has created in the world. Paul told Timothy, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. So Timothy's responsibility was to explain this truth to his people. He would be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus who, if he did this, who, one, who would, uh, be, one who is nourished by the message of faith 
and the good teachings you have followed. So pastors and Bible teachers actually don't have a choice but to teach the whole counsel of God's word. It would be easier to talk about rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> but that's not what you want to hear, and that's not what I want to talk about. I don't think you want to talk about rainbows and butterflies. I think we need to hear the word of God, the truth, and allow that truth to be uh, to challenge our lives so that we properly align ourselves with him so that we can abide in him and have him abide in us. James 3.1 says there's actually a stricter judgment for pastors and teachers, for teachers of the word of God. We're actually going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what we taught. I don't want to be in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to be in trouble with God and I don't, I don't want to be in trouble with you. So I'm just going to teach God's word to the best of my ability, challenge where we need to get challenged, and move forward. Amen? Verse 7 says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So what does godliness look like? Number one, Godliness is abiding in God. John 15 says that if we abide in him and he abides in us, that we will, we will produce spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit is eternal. It doesn't have a shelf life. It's always credited to our account. So spiritual fruit is anything that, that impacts the kingdom of God for eternity. So when people get saved, when we do a good deed for someone, when we pray for someone, when we love the unlovely, all of those things, when we're allowing the Spirit of God and the, and the Word of God to come out of us and to bless those around us. We can't actually accomplish anything of spiritual value apart from that abiding relationship with Christ. We can do a lot of busy stuff. We can volunteer for Sunday school for 10 hours a week. We can serve in all kinds of small groups. We can uh, greet at the front door. We can write large checks to the church, but none of that stuff actually matters if we're not abiding in Christ, right? Sometimes people write a big check to the church and that's, substitute, that's kind of a substitute for their abiding and their service to Christ. But God has called us to serve him and love him wholeheartedly um, with all of our time, talent, and treasure so that we honor him in the way that we live our lives. Abiding in Christ gives us the grace to do all the things that he's called us to do. I was talking with this young couple, and uh, we're doing some counseling with them. They're about ready to get married, and, and uh, they used to come to church here, um, but now they live in Nashville, and so I was doing stuff over Zoom, and we're doing some counseling, and it got to, you know, we started talking about finances, and I went on this rampage about tithing. I said, hey, I'm going to talk to you guys about tithing because um, it's really just going to be foundational to your walk with Jesus, and uh, so I did this whole teaching on tithing, and I said, what do you guys think? And they said, oh yeah, we already give 20%. <laughs> it was like a total waste of my time to talk to them about tithing. But there, there's something about there's something about trusting God, and we're going to look at that in the next portion, but there's something about trusting God and believing Him uh, that comes out of that abiding relationship with Him. What does godliness look like? Abiding with God, number one. Number two, what does godliness look like? Obedience to God. Abiding and obedience. 
Obedience is defined, the general concept of obedience, both in the Old and the New Testament, relates to hearing or hearkening to a higher authority. So hearing or hearkening is not just hearing, but it's actually hearing and doing. It's obeying. One of the Greek terms for obedience in the Bible conveys the idea of positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and command. Another Greek word for obey in the New Testament means to, this will be surprising to us, to trust. Another word in the New Testament for obey is actually, it means to trust. We will never fully obey God if we don't fully trust him with our lives, our time, talent, and our treasure. According to Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, a succinct definition of biblical obedience is to hear God's word and act accordingly. To hear and act, to hear and respond, to listen and obey. Erdman's Bible Dictionary states, true hearing or obedience involves the physical hearing that inspires the hearer and a belief or trust that in turn motivates the hearer to act in accordance with the speaker's desire. Thus, biblical obedience to God means to hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and his word. So part of godliness has everything to do with obedience. Eight reasons why obedience to God is important. Let's take a look at these really quick. Eight reasons. I don't know if they're up on the screen or not, but let's just go for it. Jesus calls us to obey is number one. What a great reason to obey, simply because Jesus has called us to obey. I was talking to Pastor Dave earlier, and we were talking about baptism, and he was having a conversation with a person, with a guy about baptism, and, and he asked the guy, why should you get baptized? And he tried to come up with all these theological reasons why you should get baptized, and Dave said, hey, why, why can't the answer be because Jesus told us to be baptized. I mean, if Jesus asks us to do something, we don't need to jump through all kinds of theological hoops to, to make our point. We just say, yeah, Jesus told me to do it. God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Jesus calls us to obey. Jesus, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Number one, Jesus calls us to obey. Number two, obedience is an act of worship. Romans 12 tells us to give our whole lives, all of our bodies, everything is an act of worship to the Lord. Obedience is an act of worship more so than singing and lifting up our hands. Along the same lines as worshiping when we come come together, gather, because what we do when we obey God is we declare that he is God. And that he is worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of our obedience. And so when we walk out obedience before the king of kings, we're declaring worship before him and say, because you are God and I am not. Because you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I will be obedient to you. Obedience is an act of worship. Number three, God rewards obedience. In Genesis 22, God told Abraham, listen, your descendants in the whole world will be blessed because of your obedience to me. Obedience is rewarded by God. You'll see it in your life as you decide, I'm going to be a person of obedience. Every time the Lord asks me to do something, I'm just going to do it. And watch the, the blessings, that um, the rewards that come your way as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, and it's, it's so much, so much fun. 
It's more fun than just kind of wrestling with God all the time about everything that he asks you to do. If you just say, yes, Lord, not, not Peter, no, Lord. <laughs> no, Lord doesn't work as, as a kingdom follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord works every time. Number four, obedience to God proves our love. All you have to do is read first and second John, and you see that there's a direct correlation, a connection between obedience and the love that we say we have. The book of first and second John clearly explains that obedience to God demonstrates love for God. Loving God implies following his command. So we can't say we love God if we don't walk obediently in his presence. Number five, obedience to God demonstrates faith. Interesting, huh? When we obey God, we show our trust and faith in God. It's, an, it's a demonstration of our faith. We're saying, Lord, I believe you. And so if you're asking me to do this, I'm going to trust you. I believe it, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate my faith by saying yes to you. In 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it says, We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Obedience to God demonstrates faith. Number five, number six, obedience is better than sacrifice. In the old system, the old covenant, um, Old Testament, if somebody sinned, they would offer a sin offering, a, an animal sacrifice. But that's not what God was after. That was God's grace extended in that time so that people might be forgiven. But the scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than the sacrifices that we offer. New Testament, we, we sin and we say, Lord, forgive me. And then that's a great model. Obviously, that's what God wants us to do. But how about if we just decide we're going to be obedient? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Meaning, I don't want to offer, I don't want to have to offer, I don't want to have to say, forgive me, Lord. Instead, I just want to walk purely before the King of Kings. Thank God for his mercy. But sanctification means I, I'm asking for forgiveness less and less in a sense. I'm still sinning, but it's not the same old gnarly sins that I used to sin in. Maybe it's sins that are um, representative of my, my growth in Jesus. We still have to guard against uh, moral failure. We still have to guard against the pride uh, or the flesh and pride and all of those things. But, but sanctification, meaning that the longer we're walking with Jesus means that we're not doing those same gnarly sins that we used to do, but there's an obedience connected to our lives. An obedience that honors the Lord and requires us, less of us groveling before the Lord and saying, God, I'm sorry, I've done this the thousandth time. There's victory available for us in Jesus. Number seven, disobedience leads to sin and death. The disobedience of Adam brought sin and death into the world. This is the basis of the term original sin. But Christ's perfect obedience restores fellowship with God for everyone who believes in him. And Romans 5.19 says, For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, 
The many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Christ, the many will be made righteous. In 1 Corinthians 5.22, it says, for as, Adam, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 5.22. Number eight, through obedience, we experience the blessing of holy living. And that's what I'm talking about. There's a blessing connected to holy living, the, de the decision to be obedient. And listen, if you're, if you're jacked up with addiction, you're going to miss out on this blessing. You're going to miss out on this blessing. I don't want you to feel picked on today. I want you to feel like there's hope today. I want you to feel like, man, there's hope on the other side of this addiction. Whatever it may be, there's hope. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with uh, porn, online porn. Pretty, uh, pretty pervasive sin in our culture for men and for women. There's, a, there's, on, there's software that you can load onto your computer uh, called Covenant Eyes that will hold you accountable for what you're watching online. You get an accountability partner and you say, hey, I want you, and that accountability partner will actually get a report of everything that you've looked at online. And, uh, and they'll flag things that are inappropriate so that you have one more opportunity to say no to that sin. So maybe it's uh, online porn or some other kind of sex addiction. Maybe it's just an addiction to wine, alcohol, drugs. There are paths forward. We have a NA program that meets here on Thursday nights for people who are trying to overcome uh, their addiction to uh, drugs. There are Christian-based recovery programs that are available in the community for people who want to get free from drugs and alcohol and other types of addiction. So there's steps that can be taken if we will just decide to take it by God's grace and move forward in freedom. Through obedience, we experience the blessings of a holy life. What does godliness look like? Number three, discipline. Disciplined under God. Disciplined unto God. Godliness speaks of a disciplined life in word, thought, and deed. Listen, we're all on this journey, carrying our backpacks, moving toward a destination. Uh, just to be on the journey requires discipline. You've got to pack your bag and take the stuff that you need to take. You need to uh, put on the armor of God and do what God has called you to do so that you survive the experience and thrive in the experience. It's, it's the, the root of the word disciple is discipline, and God has called us to go make disciples of all nations. He's called us to be disciples and to go make disciples of all nations, and so that means that we must activate discipline in our lives and be disciplined unto God as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that activation of discipline in our lives comes victory, comes the ability to be obedient, comes... Uh, just joy unspeakable and full of glory. Some of us don't even realize what we're missing out on because we keep falling short of the destination. We keep missing what God has for us and we fall short and so we keep, uh, keep missing out on God's best. Discipline is what God has for us. If we will move forward in that, we will experience godliness like never before. Let me just wrap up these last few verses and then we'll call... Call the worship team back in just a few minutes, and we'll stand and worship here. It says, this is a trustworthy saying, verse 9. And everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard 
and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and in your purity. I think we have way too low of expectations for young people. That's why I love it when we've got young people here on the worship team, uh, people, young people greeting, young people involved in leadership, because um, obviously Paul had an expectation of this young leader named Timothy he said, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. Sometimes we, we think, well, I'm young, it's my time to mess around, and then I'll get serious with the Lord later on. Don't waste your time falling into that trap. Sometimes, though, we, uh, we, when we get old, we fall into that same trap. We say, ah, I'm too old to be doing anything helpful for the kingdom. I'm just going to play golf or do whatever I do. And don't get me wrong, I love golf. <laughs> but not at the expense of the kingdom work that God has called us to do. There's kingdom work that God has called us to do. So whatever your hobbies are, make sure they're in alignment with God's plan for your life. And if you're young or old, make sure God is on the throne of your life. And if you're middle-aged and you're raising kids and you got all this stuff going on, make sure Jesus is, at the throne, is on the throne of your life. He'll make you a better parent. He'll make you a better husband, make you a better spouse, wife. He'll make you a better person in Jesus' name. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teachings. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation, Timothy, and the salvation of those who hear you. What does godliness look like? It looks like abiding, obedience, and discipline. How's your backpacking trip? How's your journey? With that, let's go ahead and stand up, and we're going to invite the worship team forward, and um, we're going to worship some more and just see what the Lord will do as we honor him with our time thank you lord thank you for this time be glorified as we sing be glorified as we think about ponder and decide what we're going to do with this information help us to decide to abide and to be obedient and to be disciplined in you in jesus name amen amen Final breath and it was finished 
lost my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still in all the
you, God. Thank you so much for this morning. I just ask you to help us, each one of us, be obedient in that next step. Like, what are you calling us to, God? What are you calling us to uh, to give up? That's that we're trying. Maybe we're trying to escape from from the life that you're calling us to lead, God. And I just would you just convict each one of us of something? There's always something we can do to get closer to you, God. And just as we leave, I just ask you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you guys, if any of you guys want prayer, we always have staff and and volunteers up here that are willing to pray for you. So come on up. But otherwise, thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.